Lord, I pray for Gareth and Nadine as they bring your word today, Lord. We just thank you for them as faithful servants of you, Lord. Uh, thank you, Lord, for, for years and years of faithful service, Lord. And we uh, just are excited, Lord, for what you are going to continue doing through them, Lord. We pray this morning as they um, preach out of your word, Lord, uh, on parenting. We pray for your word to be powerful, Lord. We pray for it to have a powerful impact on our hearts and our minds and our lives. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks. It's always dangerous to try and move the pulpit when you first arrive. <laughs> well, good morning. good morning. We greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And um, it is a great joy to be here this morning. It's also great to have my parents. My mom's wearing purple. My dad's next to him, <laughs> next to her. Um, and uh, it wasn't planned like this, but we're preaching on parenthood. And uh, so we've got three generations of Bowleys in the room. And uh, soon to have one less Bowley in the world because my daughter's getting married. So, uh, Matt, good to have you too. So, uh, wonderful. It's, uh, it's really is a joy. I know this isn't kind of, uh, we're here to preach this morning, but it is amazing to be here and to be here uh, with Nadine and to be here with Alexandra. And we can't wait to move to be with you and to get to know you. Uh, we did say to some people this morning that we're getting to know a lot of names, so can we just have a name amnesty for a while, uh, um, and, um, but we really do want to get to know you all. We are continuing your series, uh, which you've been in, in the book of Ephesians, uh, Walk This Way Into Healthy Relationships, and I'm so excited to uh, be able to preach a bit of that uh, series today. And we know that you've gone from looking at your relationship with God as the foundation for flourishing in every relationship, how you've looked at needing to, if you're going to do relationships God's way, you need God's strength. Uh, and so you really need the strength of the Lord as the enabling power to have any flourishing relationship. We're so glad you didn't choose the week on submission for us to preach on for the very first time, just to see. But just how, how lovely it is that God's beautiful design is that even though it's countercultural, God has a beautiful design for marriage and there's flourishing on the other side of obedience to his beautiful design. And then we also love to listen how we're to love as husbands, to love as Christ has loved us. And um, such an amazing book. I was in Uganda just recently and I felt God speak to me on the Sunday to preach in this church in Kampala, the whole book of Ephesians in one setting. But we won't be that long this morning. So uh, today we're going to be looking at just four verses. And if you've got your Bible, you could turn there. We'll get there in just a moment. It's Ephesians chapter 6, 1 to 4. And we don't normally preach as a couple, but we were asked to preach as a couple. And Nadine was so excited. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, it's great to have my wife here. Um, so we're going to be looking at gospel-shaped parenting but before we get there, I just want to say that we don't know any of you. I met someone, uh, I won't mention his name just to not embarrass him, but met someone uh, before the meeting. He's been here four weeks. Uh, we don't know whether you've been here four weeks or 14 years um, and, or whether this is the very first time you've ever come. I think I met some people who might have been linked to one of the babies being prayed for earlier and uh, um, we don't know you at all, but I do want to say that you might be in the room and you don't yet know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You might even describe, hey, I'm on a journey of faith. Or I might have even just come because 
someone that I really love was being dedicated. Or I might be checking this church out, if I'm honest. Or checking you out. I heard that there was a new guy. <laughs> Alex was at youth on Friday, and someone at one point realized that Alex was linked to us and said, is your dad the new guy? And so I guess I'm the new guy. I guess I'll have to get the, get the t-shirt. But I don't know what brought you here, but I'm so glad you're here. We're glad you're here because what you're going to find out today is that God works, God's word speaks into every area of life. And so as we all listen in, uh, we're going to find out what the Bible has today about parenting and children. And I'm very aware that many of you are not parents here today, and if you're not yet a parent, I want to invite you to not tune out, but to tune in, because maybe, just maybe one day, you will be a parent. Amen. Okay, so we're going to jump in. I'm going to read from the ESV's translation. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I think this is one of those passages that you always want somebody else to hear. You kind of can imagine like parents trying to catch the eyes of their children, like, did you hear that? You need to honor me. And um, children elbowing their fathers. <laughs> you don't exasperate me. <laughs> um, and I think for moms, I think it's quite humorous that we're not even mentioned here. <laughs> Just like in marriages, Paul doesn't consider it necessary to remind us to love our husbands. Um, we don't get told to do anything here, so we must be doing it right. <laughs> when we were given this topic of parenting, our minds raced at first because you think, Yo, that is a massive topic. Uh, and what could we download through one sermon of all the things that we've learned, all the mistakes we've made, the convictions we have from reading the Bible? What could we share with you? And, uh, but this morning, rather than giving you a TED Talk on parenting that you walk away feeling inspired about parenting, we just simply decided to exegete these four verses. And they're four verses that are honestly true. They're the same that's true of the whole Bible. Because when you first read them, there's not that much content in these four verses, apparently. I mean, it's kids, listen, and dads, don't be dumb. Like, that's, like, like we can go and have coffee. Like, that's, at, when you first read it, it just looks like that's what's there. But just like with all of Scripture, if you look again, there is a treasure trove of the wisdom of God for all of life. And that's the way you should read your whole Bible. And so we're going to make uh, six points, and Nadine's going to get us going. Just move it on. Okay. So the first point is that um, it's a multi-generational multi church that Paul was writing to. He was addressing um, in his letter to, he was talking to children, he was talking to parents, so all, all ages were included. And we believe from Scripture that this is God's plan for the church um, that we be a real family, a network of relationships spanning all generations, all diversities. But the thing that unites us is the gospel, and which displays God's wisdom and power. So it's interesting here that unlike many modern churches, where children and adults are often separ separated, the kids have gone off, we're here, um, 
Paul assumed that he would have a multi-generational group listening to his letter. Um, we know this because children and parents are both addressed in this. And he's expecting that they're going to be together listening and gathered together for corporate worship. I'm not suggesting by saying this that You'll we shouldn't... You'll be happy shouldn't. to know that. <laughs> we're not yet to know we're not We've had four children. We know what it's like in church with children. It's, it's tricky and we're not saying that at all. So don't, don't hear what we're not saying. But what the scripture is saying is that it's God's plan for the church to be multi-generational. It's not that the most important people in the church are the adults and yeah. uh, we just tack something on the side for the kids just to keep them busy. Um, so we need to always bear in mind when we're planning things for church and when we're thinking about organizing stuff that we are a multi-generational church. Um, therefore, we seek um, moments in our church where we are all together. And it's lovely to preach on this topic while you've just said three families honoring their children, taking time to tell us why they've got the names that they've got and the, the scriptures that have been in your hearts and even prophecies and things like that. And it's so important for us to really hold on to those things that there is such in, something beautiful. Secondly, from this passage in verse 2, it says... Uh, honor your father and mother. And so our second point is that heterosexual marriage is actually God's plan A for parenting. And so it's not a passage that's teaching that, but it's actually just assumed. It's just in the Bible. And we live in an age where, sadly, restating the obvious is often profound. And so it's worth noting from this passage that the Apostle Paul assumed, in verse 2, that God's plan for marriage was a heterosexual marriage. And so that children could clearly obey a mother and a father, that there's an identifiable father and mother for them to obey and to love. I say this is God's plan A because God makes it clear that this was his original design, that a married man and a woman would raise children together and that those children would, rise, uh, would, would be brought up in the context of a stable covenant commitment, that that's the context for parenting in Scripture. And so it was God's original design that the parents of the children that are in a family actually parent those children together and that they are jointly responsible for raising those children up. So if you are not married yet, I think that the take-home for you is this is God's beautiful design and it's something that you should desire for yourself. And Unlike your phone or your tablet or your laptop, which has an operating system that needs updating, this is God's eternal, beautiful design. And you've been using the word flourishing this year. Well, flourishing is always on the other side of conforming to the wisdom and the beauty of the will of God. And so maybe you need to conform your thinking to God's ways and will, or maybe you need to have your thinking reformed, but doing so will always set us up for flourishing. And we also want to say that although uh, a married man and woman raising their children is God's original intended design, I really felt this so much preparing for today, that there are many in this town, there might be many even in this room, that that is not your scenario. It's not your parenting context. And so what should you do 
if your parenting context isn't that I've got uh, a husband and a wife, if I'm uh, maybe a single parent or maybe there is remarriage in your context, what, what, do, what do we do? How do we, how do we fit into this verse? And I think the first thing I would say is that in the church, there is absolutely no place for judgment. But rather there is love and acceptance and that the church of Jesus Christ, this church, is a redeeming community. So whoever comes, everyone is welcome. And God can take you from where you're at to a place where you too can flourish. God wants every person to have the brokenness from sin in general and our specifics and in our own lives or the hurt in our lives. God wants to redeem that brokenness. And so although we don't have time to go into this fully here, um, I just wanted to say that if you find yourself in a parenting context that is outside of God's original design, it, it's so helpful to acknowledge and to recognize that my scenario is different from what is in Scripture. And if you recognize that, that's a helpful start. Because if you start there, if you recognize your unique brokenness, then you can acknowledge there are some implications that flow out of this brokenness. And there are some unique challenges that flow out of that. And so then you can go to Jesus and you can draw near to him so that you can be healed of that brokenness. And also you can find this church as a home where you can have that brokenness, you can have arms of love wrapped around you, and you can be uh, surrounded by community and experience flourishing too as a parent in the church of Jesus Christ. And so if your parenting context is different from what is in this passage, we want you to know today that the church of Jesus, that this church is a place of safety where you can access the help of God, where your parenting journey can be meaningful, meaningfully impacted by a gospel-shaped community. And so I want to urge you, or if you've got friends, that that's their story, that they would draw in so that they could be loved. Amen. The third point from this passage is that obedience. Parents, you knew you, we were going to get here eventually. <laughs> obedience is God's plan for children. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. If you're a child, I think you all are. <laughs> Unless you're really special. <laughs> Children, if you want to live long, the Bible says obey your parents. Scripture teaches clearly that uh, children have a responsibility, and their responsibility is to obey. Just now we'll get to a parent's responsibility. But there are two reasons given that you should obey, and there's one encouragement. The reasons are, firstly, you should obey, and Paul simply says, because this is right. He says, it's just the right thing to do. Uh, the NLT translation actually says that. This is the right thing to do. It's the natural way of things, is what the apostle is saying. It's not even something that needs to be taught. You know you should. You just don't want to. You know it. It's right. And so for children to obey their parents puts children and parents in their right relationship with each other. That's kind of what the word means there. And so the order that God established in creation, everything is right when children are obeying their parents. And so when we begin to obey, it impacts us because that's actually good for us. Secondly, we should obey our parents because it's actually just commanded in God's law. God knows that we won't just do what we should do 
And so he gave us 10 commandments, and this is one of the 10 commandments. It's the fifth, depending on how you count them. But God revealed his will and his ways and said, this is how I've set the world up. This is what matters to me. And he put this into the 10 commandments. And so obedience and respect which can seem, if you go to a school or you go to a a mall these days or you just come into a household, it can seem like respect is out of date. But actually, it's God's way for children and parents. And so if you're a child and if you want to please God, the Bible tells us the Ten Commandments, we don't live under them the way the the Old Covenant, but we do still find out what matters to God. And so if you want to please God, what pleases God is children obeying their parents. So I said there's two reasons, and then there's an inspiration. The third reason you should obey is because it's really good for you. Now, it was interesting to me because the Apostle Paul could have said, well, since it's just the right thing to do, and since it's God's law, do it or die. Like, like he could have just said that. You know, He could have just joined the dots because he's actually said that already. But he doesn't. What he says is he appeals to children, and he, he uses an Old Testament promise that's like linked to the promised land, that you're going to live in this land of milk and honey and your life's going to go well. So I thought, well, how do we update the promised land promise that's in the Exodus, which is being quoted here? How do we update that for 2023? And so these are my words. When we obey, we align ourselves with God's way and God's life. And when we do that, we flourish. We experience the shalom of God. We experience the presence of God. We experience the peace of God. We experience the power of God. So what Paul is saying is, hey, when you obey God, this isn't just true in this context, it's true in every context. When you obey God, flourishing is on the other side of that. And so he's actually wanting to inspire children that it's not just you should, but that you want to. Because actually, God does something. So children obey and respect their parents because this is God's will for you, and God blesses obedience to him. The fascinating thing is there's actually a qualification here. And the qualification is that if your parent is in the Lord, there's a little phrase there, obey your parents in the Lord. Are those my spiritual parents or the you, I'll leave that up to you for a while. But, but the way I took this is that the instruction to obey your parents isn't unqualified. It's not absolute, but it's qualified, I think, by this phrase, in the Lord. We uh, live in KwaZulu-Natal. We've been there for 20 years and have the joy of leading a multi, uh, a, multi um, a, a diverse uh, multicultural congregation and have had the total joy of having many Zulu people in our lives over the last 20 years. And the amazing thing for for me is that particularly when people are getting married and at other times like births and deaths and various trigger moments for culture, even unbelieving Zulu parents know this verse in the Bible. I've been in many meetings where a Zulu mom or dad would say, but doesn't the Bible say... And I'm like, how did you know that? Now, they never quote Ephesians 6 verse 1, you know, but, but they say, doesn't the Bible say that my son should obey me and therefore he should pay the full Ebola price or whatever it is? But it's fascinating to me that they know this one verse. So what if your unsafe parent wants you to do something that's ungodly? 
Well, I think simply then you need to obey God, even if that means disobeying your parents. But you should do so in the most respectful way possible. And so I actually want to encourage you, if you ever face a situation like that, the best thing I could suggest is obviously speak to God about it, but move towards your elders and say, how could I really obey the scripture to honor and respect my parents, but also honor God in this moment? Okay, so our fourth point is that parents, we need to make it easy for our children to obey us. I'm just going to read um, Ephesians 6.4 again. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It is the children's responsibility to obey their parents, but we as parents also have a responsibility, and we are there to help our children. We need to help them to learn how to obey, to do what God has commanded them to do. And it, there is a way to make them obeying us hard for them you know when you do it in such a way it's like this is what I said this is I mean there are times but when it's just generally this is what I've said and there's no explanation this is what you have to do it can be hard for some kids to kind of understand well why why do I need to obey you and we can help our children obey God by helping them to follow Jesus and live as a disciple of Jesus and us um, what we model and teach and expect of them helps them to follow Jesus. And um, as parents, yes, the absolute responsibility on them is to obey. But we need to think about how easy are we making it for them? Are we making it a hard thing? Um, I remember reading one parenting book and um, one of the stories, it's funny how like one little story will stick out of the whole book. Um, it was on this thing about obeying and he was saying that you know it's like I'll give you an example he said um, he told his children you're not allowed to run around the adults after church okay when everybody's standing around I don't want you running and weaving through everybody and that's just the way it is and he just couldn't get obedience the kids just weren't listening and then he said to them okay I want you to understand why because when you're running around, you're knocking into people, you're knocking people's coffee, you're just causing chaos. And then they were like, okay, we understand, and it was easier for them. So it's just a kind of explanation of why they need to do that. And just especially some children find it harder to obey. And an explanation of why you are asking them to do that can help them. Um, their obedience is not conditional, but are you helping them to be able to, to obey you? Um, or are you frustrating them and exasperating them like fathers are told not to do? I think that's particularly true as children get older. There's this transfer of power from you to them where, where they're getting more decision-making, et cetera, et cetera. And particularly some children need to know why. And just saying because I said so isn't going to cut it. It's not helping them. And so I love this picture in Scripture of the fathers don't exasperate your children. I think that probably includes the mothers. Um, there's this responsibility on parents that makes it easy or hard, depending on how we're doing, for our, for our children. Nadine and I often, never with uh, Luke and Hope and Alex, it was always Sam, because he's not here. <laughs> But we would sometimes sit on the bed and sometimes we'd be crying or fuming. 
And we'd say, either of us would say to the other, we have to be the adults here. <laughs> you know, your child's not be nice. And you think, okay, we're going to have to be the adults. You know, and a friend of ours described us, he said, parents are like the rubbing tree for a rhino. You know, when, when your kid's got a tick that's really bugging over here, you just become the rubbing tree, you know, and it's like, hey, what are you doing? You know, you're working that out on me. And, and so just there's this beautiful balance in Scripture of children, you to obey your parents, that's your responsibility, but parents, make it easy for them to do that. Help them to explain. And you know your kids and what will help them. Fifthly, from this passage, Parents, bring your children up in the ways of the Lord. It says that in verse 4. Bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And in verse 4 of our passage here, it kind of gets to the goal of parenting. It gets to what are we even doing? What are we trying to do? And, you know, we, we've run many parenting courses. We used to run them for the schools that we've been meeting in over the years. And uh, so we'll have believers and unbelievers in the room and uh, invite parents to, to come and do the parenting course. And I'll never forget this one really big guy. You look at him, you think, okay, he's got it sorted because I'm not going to say anything else because he could smash me to smithereens. And I remember him coming to me. His name was Warren. And he came to me and he said, I've signed up for the parenting course. The school that we were in used to give us five minutes at the start of the year with all the parents in there to come for some teacher's evening. And we asked for five minutes to talk to everyone and inspire them enough to sign up. And this guy came up and he said, I've signed up for your course. I'm like, okay, this is going to go well. And he said, because at the moment I'm just floundering and actually success has been not killing any of my children. And, and he's like there was a degree of, oh, I don't know how much of that is true, you know. And, and he kind of, he just felt like, I can't achieve anything. And so I just said to him, I said, Warren, I said, why don't we just take four nights and just pause and breathe and think about your parenting. What are you trying to achieve? Because sometimes we're just trying to survive. That's the reality. We had four kids, we know, we know the drill. <laughs> Paul's up to Paul and Kate by one, five. <laughs> if you're just trying to survive, or if you're just trying to maintain, it's exhausting. And sometimes it's great to pause and just think about the goal. Well, the goal is actually here. And I want to ask you this morning, we don't have a lot of time left, but what are you actually aiming at as parents? What are you aiming at? Very aware that we're living in a town, or we're in a town this morning, where many parents will be raising, their goal is to raise successful children, whatever that means. You'll have to ask more questions. Or educated children, trying to get your kids into the right schools or universities. Or well-behaved children, or some would say self-assured children, or talented children, or independent children, or well-prepared children, or children with values. There, there are many goals that people have, and maybe you've heard some of your own kind of cropping up. But this is the thing. What you aim at will determine what you prioritize and the methods that you choose. And so how do you choose between all of these as a parent? Well, although many of the things that we've mentioned, they're good, they are not primary things. They are secondary things. They're not the primary thing. You see, the goal of parenting, you need to actually consider a bigger question. 
If you're asking, what am I trying to achieve in my parenting, you're not asking the right question. You need to ask the question, what is the purpose of life? The gospel tells you that we were created by Jesus, for Jesus, and for his glory. And so the ultimate purpose in life for all men and women, whether they know it or not, is to be worshippers of Jesus. And so the ultimate goal of parenting can only be understood when it fits under that ultimate goal of life. And if you think about that, if you meditate on that as a parent or as anyone in the room, of what is the purpose of life, what is the goal of life, the purpose of parenting will come into focus. And for parents, then you should be aiming to raise children. And we heard it and heard it prayed this morning over these beautiful children who are up here. We want to see children who come to know and love Jesus. Children who will be worshippers of Jesus. Children who will become dedicated followers of Jesus and his mission for their lives. And when that becomes your goal, a lot of things will change as a parent. And really, I, the passage that's meant the most to us, so glad you allowed us to speak on Ephesians 1-4, to but I just want to quote Deuteronomy 6, because for me it's the parenting manual. Deuteronomy 6, 4-9. Because it makes the gospel goal of parenting so clear. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I want you to count mentally how many yous there are. You shall love the Lord. That's the parent. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind, uh, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign to your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Can you see the purpose for not only parenting but the whole of life in these verses? You, parent, are to love God with all your heart. You to worship God. You to follow God with all that's in you. And can you see how the goal of parenting fits under that goal in this verse? Note it doesn't say find a church with a really good kids program and let them teach your children. Find a youth group that will entertain your children and keep them happy so that you can have date night on a Friday. In fact, this passage uses the word you or your 19 times in just these few verses. That's a hint that we are to do something as parents. It's our responsibility. And I, if we had more time, I'd love to talk about how, how we to do this as we sit, as we walk, as we rise, as we lie down. We to do it through all of life, not just like, oh, we've got 10-minute devotions. We're to use all of life. We live in an outsourced culture, but you cannot outsource your parenting responsibility to disciple your children to others. You and I, if you've been given the gift of being a parent, you've been given the mandate of passing on, being the primary influence on, in terms of faith. And that means your faith, my faith. We can only ask, we can only pass on to our kids what is actually in our own lives. We don't just do that on Sundays. We do that all the time. You and I are modeling our faith to our children. You're modeling faith or you're modeling lack of faith. You're modeling something. This guy Robert Fulgham said, don't worry that your children never listen to you. Worry that they're watching you. 
the gospel goal of parenting is to point our children to Jesus so that they have their own authentic faith, so that they have their own personal relationship with Jesus Christ, so that they become worshipers of Jesus as you model following Jesus to them as an everyday normal person. They can become that too. So I want to ask yourself today just to pause. Maybe you can actually close your eyes. I guess I need to ask you firstly, how are you really doing about the ultimate purpose for your life? Is loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength, is that really your ultimate goal. It's easy to say, it's another thing to do. And if you're parenting, I want to ask you, what's the operating system that you're on? What's running in your home? Lots of busyness, we understand. But what is the underlying thing? Is it success? Is it achievement? Or is it really I'm loving Jesus, and I want my children to love Jesus. And that informs every decision you make. I want to ask you this morning, we won't be doing stand-up session where you tell us, but what maybe needs to change this morning so that the ultimate goal in life and your goal as a parent, that those two can line up. Maybe you can chat with a friend over coffee this week. How can we make the gospel goal our goal as parents? Maybe you can chat with a friend, your spouse. I'll pray for you in just a moment. You can open your eyes. So fathers, parents, don't make your kids' responsibility to obey God. Don't make it hard. Make it easy. And take your responsibility to raise them in the discipline, in the instruction, in the ways of the Lord. We're going to take a few moments to just flesh this out just very practically in some of the ways that we flesh these things out. We thought you'll get a bit of us, hopefully not grading us. But um, how have we sought to live out these passages kind of at home, love? So we, as followers of Jesus, just know how vital it is that you read your Bible and you spend time with Jesus every day, that it's not just something that you do once a week, you know, it's, it's our food, it's our, our nourishment as a Christian. So we for, I don't know, years and years and years, we get up early and we go and read our Bibles and pray separately, sometimes together. And I think our children have seen us doing that for years and it's, it's just part of our habit. And, you know, we laugh about that quote that Gareth read about, you know, your children met might not listen but they are watching and it's such a true thing and I've seen with our kids now that they do the same thing you know they also whenever it is in the day they have got a pattern of reading their Bible and spending time with Jesus and that is the key as a Christian to grow so you know it's important that they see you doing that yeah well, we want to gush over you guys it's been amazing to actually didn't plan to do this, but our children haven't always read their Bibles. In fact, there's been times when Luke and Sam in particular is like, you guys reading your Bible lately? You know, like we, we haven't ever expected it, but we've tried to inspire it. But it's been such a joy to see them pick that up themselves. 
And, and we haven't, we've actually really sucked at family devotions. So if you want to learn how to do family devotions, go somewhere else, please. Like, kind of like we've, because I just hated the idea of forcing it. I never wanted our children to feel like, oh, this is what we're doing now, you know. Um, I'm not, I'm sure family, I'm sure you do amazing family <laughs> devotions, but we just didn't. And, and we would console ourselves whether we were just being silly, that as long as we're reading our Bible, as long as we're <laughs> loving Jesus, actually they are seeing that. They're seeing real faith. And over the, over the years, there's been amazing opportunities where, where we've prayed for cars and houses and we've, we've celebrated together. I'll never forget some of those moments where, where kids said they wanted to pray for something and then together we saw God answer it in a very practical way. And it's just like, God answered all of our prayer, you know, that like it actually started with you. So it just, for us, it was just everyday, real life. And so we kind of looked for moments, uh, especially when your kids are young. I loved hearing about uh, your guy's daughter. Where was it? Dirk. I saw, where was Dirk? I think he was there, saying your daughter asking you, what is God? I'm so glad she's done the New City Catechism. <laughs> Do you know that that's... The, <laughs> And um, the second question in the New City Catechism is that question, what is God? And um, we found that Alex, I don't know if she remembers this, she used to have massive theological questions always on the way to play school or like preschool. Like, what is happening at preschool, you know? But, and, th and that's when she was asking. And so that's when you just, doesn't matter if you're five minutes late, let's answer this question as best I can in a way that you can understand yeah, you can't always plan those times. I think the thing I've learned with kids is they want to talk when they want to talk, not when you want to talk. <laughs> so often, you know, on the way to school, on the way home from school, or often when you're busy, you know, they'll come with something. And I think the thing is kind of taking real life things that they're dealing with and always taking it to the gospel and applying the gospel to that. Um, because then they grow up with that as something so part of them because it is the whole center of, of us and, and Jesus is. So always bringing all their questions and all their little life experiences that are so big for them when they're little, um, bringing that to the gospel, it just kind of shapes their thinking. I think it would be true to say also that we've lived out the gospel. What I mean by that is, We've understood and we've tried to communicate to our kids that we know that both we and you are sinful and flawed. So, so we're sinful and we're flawed and so are you. But in the gospel, we are loved and accepted by Jesus. And so Jesus doesn't love us because we're good. He loves us because he's chosen to love us. And, and that's true of both of us. And so we've never expected our kids to be perfect or, or learn from our perfection. So we haven't expected them to be perfect and we haven't been perfect. That's meant we've had to say sorry to our kids. Many times I've had to say sorry and go and say, oh, you know, sometimes Nadine says no and then we'll look at her and say, why did you say no? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> yes. And it's like, you know, and it's like, we, we, we've had to say sorry to our kids. Uh, I'll never forget with Luke once. Uh, um, I don't know why this thing stuck out so, so clearly for me, but I remember him opening the, opening the, the kitchen door, uh, the, the fridge door, pouring too much milk <laughs> into his Rice Krispies, and then 
being a kid and tripping over his own feet. You know, teenagers, they've got too many legs and arms, it seems like, and they don't know how to coordinate them all, you know. And, and this milk, this bowl just went, wow, with, like, all over the kitchen. And, and I, I just remember saying, I can't believe. And as I said, I can't believe, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, you've never dropped anything? <laughs> And I remember going, I can't believe, and it was like, <laughs> like, actually I can, let's clean it up, you know. <laughs> and I think if you're just honest, and you know you're sinful and flawed, and so be the parent that says sorry, and gets on your, if your kid's this high, then get that high, you know, and just say, honey, dad messed up, and will you forgive me? It's so powerful, because actually you're teaching them how to, repent, how to confess, how to give grace, how to receive grace, that there's not two standards here, you know, there's not like a parent level and a kid level, but actually we're all followers of Jesus, amen. And so in that, you're actually helping them to identify sin in their own hearts, to repent, to forgive, uh, to be forgiven, and to reconcile. Um, We've also taught and rewarded, we've also disciplined values that encase something that's in Scripture. And so we've made a big thing about uh, 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 obedience, because it's in Scripture, and respect, and then we've had values to try and think, if there's a rule about anything, it's got to be protecting a value, and then try and make that value in Scripture. And then lastly, maybe you can just talk about the heart. So we've always aimed at the heart whenever we could. You know, what, what was your motivation for doing that? Or... Um, yeah, you know, everything starts in our heart, and um, the heart is what Jesus looks at. And so that is the, the thing that you need to protect and the thing that we need to grow. So, yeah, always take everything back to, to your heart. Amen. And the last thing that we'd say is we made the church, and we weren't paid to say this, just to let you know, <laughs> but we made the church central to every rhythm in our life. So the two H's, unless you're on holiday in hospital, you're at church. <laughs> and, and you need to be really careful. We had, we had, our boys uh, were big into sports, and we remember removing them from the soccer club. We, we wanted them to be in the soccer club, uh, but then the soccer club was playing matches on a Sunday, and we felt this real wrestle. That's where unbelievers are. We want to be where unbelievers are, but it's disrupting this rhythm. And it's not just a simple thing. You can't just apply it onto someone else, but just we want our kids, we did. Our kids grew up knowing we go to church. That's what we do. It's not we go to church once every three weeks, or if everything aligns, then we go to church. You know, if you're not in hospital, or you're not on holiday, go to church. You're actually modeling something to the next generation. Is this, oh yeah, I also do that. It's somewhere on my list of priorities. Or is the kingdom of God the priority? Is it the treasure that you've seen that's in the field? And so I want to really urge you, just simple little things like that are modeling to your children. So lastly, we're going to uh, close by taking communion. And I want to just minister to you briefly over communion. So... Um, because I don't know how you do communion, I can do whatever I like now. Hey. <laughs> so can I invite you to stand up, and it looks like there's communion over there and over there. Can you get the elements of communion? So if you come back to your seats, and if you don't mind just standing back at your seats, I just want to share the final point as we take communion together. 
you need gluten-free, we've got gluten-free in the front here. I know my mom's gluten-free. She's over there in purple. Here we go. So if you can just go back to your seats. This isn't the time to talk about the Champions League. Or You might be sitting there today, or now you're standing, and you might be thinking, Gareth and Eddie, that's great, but is this even possible? Remember my friend Warren who was saying he just wanted to survive. You might be sitting thinking, is this even possible? How could we possibly have the power to parent like this? And so I want to close this morning about talking about the secret power of parenting. And the secret power of parenting is to have a source of love that is out of this world. It's not the biological love you have for your child. That is an incredibly powerful love. But it won't be strong enough. And it's not even the power of the love within your marriage if you are husband and wife because you might be a single parent and so how can you parent if you're a single parent so the power of parenting is not within yourself and it's not even within the relationship that you're in the secret power of parenting is to look back at the cross and I want you to just look at that bread which symbolizes Jesus body that was broken I want you to look at that red juice, which is symbolic of the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. And God would say to you this morning that the secret power of parenting is to know that you are loved and accepted by Jesus Christ. And this, these elements that you're holding in your hand, communion, humbles every one of us. Because this is what was needed to be done. That's how bad we are. But this is also how loved we are. And so it humbles you and it also gives you an indestructible hope and confidence that you are loved. And Jesus in the middle of John 14, 15 and 16 said when he was leaving, he said, it's better that I go because then I'll send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. And he has promised never to leave us nor to forsake us. So as we close this morning, I want to say if you're a parent, or if one day you're going to be a parent, remember the power to parent is by remembering Jesus. Knowing that you are a sinner, you are a sinner that is loved by Jesus, redeemed by Jesus, accepted by Jesus, not because of your performance, because he decided to love you with an everlasting love. And so that amazing grace is the power to parent that you receive that love. Like on the airline when the oxygen drops and they tell you, put it on your face and then help others. You need to first receive the love of God yourself so that you can pass it on to your children or to anyone in the world. Amen? And I just want to say here that I started by saying that maybe there's someone who doesn't yet know Jesus. And if you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad you came today because these, you might say, what is going on with this juice? I don't understand. Why are they handing out bread? It's so small. What's going on? This is the symbol 
of the finished work of Jesus Christ that we sang about earlier. And if you believe in Jesus, the Bible says, He will forgive you of your sin and you'll become His child. Talking about parenting today. You will become the child of God. And if you would like to give your life to Jesus, then I want to urge you, don't yet take this, but come and speak to me afterwards because I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. And then I'd like to do communion with you. So why don't we just close our eyes. I'm going to pray for you. Why don't you take the bread? Thank, thank Jesus that his body was broken. Just in your own words, just thank him. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Every single person in this room, Lord, we know we needed forgiveness of sins. And we thank you that you're our substitute and you're our savior. Thank you that your body was broken. Let's drink the grape juice together, remembering that his blood was shed and it flowed for you and me. And in his punishment, you and I are forgiven. And so there is hope forevermore. Lord Jesus, thank you for eternal, indestructible hope because of the cross. And Lord, I just commit every parent to you here today. Lord, I want to ask that anything that was just of Nadine and I would just fall away and be forgotten. But that which you, Holy Spirit, have implanted in their hearts would grow and produce fruit for the sake of their children and for the glory of your name.